What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 21 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Wednesday, February 17th. Um, for me, my week is personally almost done. I have about three quizzes to take um, that are due tonight, which is pretty unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, I hope you guys are all um, having a great hump day, having a great uh, mid week whatever you know if that's uh more grinding if that's uh binging a show if that's um you know relaxing and and getting some time off uh whatever it may be i hope you're having a good time doing it um you know i uh personally um am definitely just in the full swing of school it's been uh kind of an adjustment um i think because of, you know, not really having a summer and then going straight into school in the fall and then having that Christmas break, man, it was definitely really refreshing um, just for my mental health, just for um, relaxation purposes, just kind of decompressing from uh, everything that was going on in my life. And now kind of being back in the school grind, um, I think I'm finally at that point where It's just clicked in my head, you know, Um, as much as I would love to be in person, as much as I would love to be on my uh, campus uh, with my fraternity, with uh, just the classes that I should be taking or I am taking and should I should be doing more with. um, I think that, um, you know, it, it, it was kind of an it was kind of hard for me to maybe necessarily make that adjustment at first and kind of get back into school mode. Um, So it took a little bit longer than it usually does if I was on campus and had all those other factors included. But, you know, we're here. Um, I'm really enjoying my classes. I'm learning a lot this semester, probably more than I've ever learned in a semester um, prior in any grade school, any any uh, semester in college as well. Um, I feel like what I mean by this is it's not necessarily, you know, the math, the English, the regular common core. It's you know, I'm finally in this, my major, I'm finally taking these classes that I, you know, I feel like I've been looking forward to for a long time. And it's kind of a surreal moment that I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. And, um, I'm finally just in the midst of these classes. It's been a really good feeling. Um, and it kind of just motivates me to, uh, keep pushing. It motivates me to want more, uh, for myself and for my life. And, you know, I'm just proud of myself, I think for the, um, you know, first and foremost. So I, I'm just excited to uh, see how this semester pans out and the next um, the next year before I graduate and uh, do whatever I um, was put on this earth to do. You know, we'll see. We'll see what that we'll see what that is. But, um, you know, like always, I've uh, been talking too much. Uh, let's just get into this. I wanted to uh, start the show by wishing um, the weekend a very happy belated birthday as his birthday was yesterday, February 16th, and he did turn 31. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know, we know the weekends um, as this musical artist that came onto the scene just about a decade ago, I'd say, um, when he released his remits to run of House of Balloons and then Thursday and then Echoes of Silence. Um, they, those all came out in 2011 and then th- those would eventually be, 
the trilogy album that we know um, came out in 2012. And then, of course, these uh, three mixtapes were then followed by highly, highly successful commercial releases, um, you know, with 2013's Kissland, 2015's Beauty Behind the Madness, 2016's Starboy, um, 2018's EP My Dear Melancholy, um, and then, of course, I feel like, in my honest opinion, his best run yet has been this 2020 uh, to present day run with After Hours. Um, of course, um, if you've been following the weekend at all this year, you don't have you didn't necessarily have to be a fan uh, before After Hours. But if you've been following him over the past year and this run that he's had, um, he's been portraying this persona character who basically seems to be having the worst night possible um, as this entire album of After Hours um, definitely contains themes of loneliness, isolation, withdrawal, uh, heartbreak, substance abuse, recklessness, literally just all of the above. Um, and honestly, most of all, love. You know, that's definitely the theme that is persistent throughout the entire project. Um, you know, in in terms of uh, why the recklessness is happening, why he's feeling so isolated, why he's feeling so lonely, it always retains back to love. It always retains back to this relationship, this breakup that um, this man is seeming to go through and still trying to cope with the feelings of going through it by using substances, by um, trying to um, be heartless and get over it. Uh, but then there's, you know, more real songs on, there's more honesty on tracks such as Snow Child and Faith and even After Hours, the, the title track, um, you know, as he continues to pull us in and, you know, continue to search for why he's feeling the ways he, he is, you know, he... I feel, you know, I feel as if, uh, you know, these trats, um, he's being honest with not only the listener, but mostly himself, you know, I don't feel as if, you know, we've, we've seen The weekend uh, be able to tell stories throughout his entire discography, especially on those, uh, that three run mixtape uh, back in 2011. Um, but I feel like with this project with after hours he's really just spilling his heart out to us he's not really telling us a story it's it's more so he's just he's telling us his emotions he's telling us what he's going through how he's coping with these things and then we get the honesty chats and not necessarily how he's coping with these things but more so how he's feeling how um certain things in his life has led him to you know led him to feel these ways um you know it's it starts with talking about his, you know, humble beginnings, um, you know, searching for his heart over and over again um, and trying to find it after this heartbreak. Um, you know, the honesty that's on this project is what I know uh, myself continues to come. I know that for myself, I continue to come back to this project because of the honesty that he displays. And I know that most people listen to this project because of that honesty because we're able you know to truly relate to him and some of these emotions that are that are just felt during heartbreak during sadness loneliness um you know that, that these these all these 
um, characteristics that he's portraying are all intertwined in this in this little story um, of the persona that he's created for us in After Hours. And, you know, of course, the music speaks volumes. Um, you know, of course, it wasn't um, nominated for a Grammy, like any Grammy somehow, even though, um, you know, it was arguably the biggest album of 2020. And still um at the moment um is very very relevant in the music worlds um but the weekend was still able to you know win plenty of awards and break plenty of records along the way of course um blinding lights is now the biggest chart hit of the century um he was able to take home video of the year at the mtv music awards um he he won favorite male artist favorite song and favorite album at the amas um, you know, he was voted, uh, by the, by Tom Pletz as, uh, the best album of the year. And then he also joined Drake, Taylor Swift, and Adele as the only artist to have an album go number one for a month straight since 2012. So, you know, regardless of the Grammys snubbing him for whatever reason they had, um, this album and After Hours, uh, Definitely brought the weekend the success and the recognition that he fully deserves. Um, and it, he's just somebody you want to see successful and happy. Um, and this era, I'm sure, has brought nothing but that for him. And of course, with the Super Bowl performance to top it off, uh, where you can just see how visibly happy he is throughout the entire performance and just smiling. Um, just a great, just a great person. Uh, somebody you want to root for. Um, so happy birthday, Abel. I hope 31 treats you well. I'm super excited to see you in concert next year. Um, just like I know millions of people are, as there's already been a million tickets sold, which is just phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I, I cannot wait to see what you try to create next, if that's before this tour, if that's after this tour. Um, I really just don't care. I'm just excited to see what you can bring nets because every album has created something and allowed the listener to feel something different really and i'm just i'm just super excited to see what you create nets because there's nothing there's there's just there's no doubt in my mind that it'll be it'll be remarkable as it always is so um like i said happy birthday to the weekends um but yeah in other in other music news frank oceans debut mid-tape nostalgia ultra actually turned 10 yesterday as well as um this was released back in 2011 um and this project was actually released on frank's own um own will as um you know he felt overlooked uh by def jam um who was his label at the time um he felt abandoned by them uh, so he just decided to release this without any promotion, without any sample clearances, um, and he just put it out on his SoundCloud. And uh, it's kind of ironic because this would be the same label that Frank would end up finessing when it came time to release Blonde and Endless and the whole uh, label dispute where he gave them Endless and then the next day he released Blonde as a solo independent artist. Uh, but that's another story for another day. And I guess karma does have its way of working around. But like I said, he did release this tape with no support, promotion, anything. Um, 
and his whole entire uh, goal was just to create this certain vibe that allowed the viewer, you know, to feel this dreamy nostalgia feeling that he was trying to create um, for the audience, really. And, um, you know, we see that with his dream car um, on the cover of Nostalgia Ultra and just always trying to put yourself back in that mindset of, um, you know, how you felt when you were a kid, what you were dreaming of, what's the, you know, the biggest and brightest things that you could think of that you wanted in your life. And I think like that's why his dream car is on the cover. And I mean, that's why the first lines on this entire project is when we were kids and then boom, he gets into all of these memories and feelings that he's felt. Um, you know, I, I, I really just, uh, you know, I feel like that was um, a great vibe to go for uh, to start his career. And it's just remarkable what he did um, without any of this support. And the fact that he had to test everybody that was involved kind of uh, just to give them clarity that he did release it finally because everybody knew he was frustrated with his label. Everybody knew that he, you know, had been trying to uh, pay his engineers, pay his um, pay everybody else that was involved in this and. He finally just got fed up and released it. And I mean, instantly Def Jam uh, regretted not getting behind this tape as they tried to re-release it as an EP. Uh, but that ended up getting scrapped and they were only able to push out Novocaine and Swim Good as singles. Um, that would ultimately swing Frank Ocean's career into full force um, with, um, you know, the rest of the mid-tape as... Um, this mixtape also allowed for other, um, you know, songwriters, uh, music, music makers, artists uh, to just pursue their passion regardless of, you know, what others were saying. If they were signed to a major label um, as the only person you really need to, you know, need to believe in is yourself. You know, we have Frank Ocean, one of the top talents in the game just signed a huge contract to one of the biggest labels there is yet he's not getting the support he wants from his label and he says fuck him and he decides to release this out of his own will and boom what happens they come crawling back to him they want that and they realize how much of a mistake it was so um you know the influence that it had on a lot of songwriters um to just go ahead and pursue it. Um, that's that's definitely something that um, some of the engineers felt as um, his engineer, Reggie Red Vision, um, you know, said it was a big deal for mixtapes and even just for songwriters. And it influenced a lot of songwriters to just go ahead and pursue their artistry. And we, we can clearly see that with the way that um, Frank Ocean uh, releasing it just allowed people to give you know, give them them give themselves the benefit of the doubt for once and not necessarily, uh, you know, feel as if you have to look up to these higher ups to help you release your music because you can do this shit on your own. Um, and I feel like this is what also allowed Frank's own solo career to get started because then the belief of in himself um, to put out this project because he knew how good it was regardless of anything, regardless of the sample clearance, regardless of 
um, you know, not having the support he wanted, not having the financial support he wanted as well. Um, it allowed his own solo career to get started because Def Jam now knew how important it was to support this man. And he had a mass following following this mixtape. Um, and it all honestly led to the great success of the 2012 release of Channel Orange. You know, he finally got his label to get behind him because he believed in himself. He pursued it regardless of what they said, regardless of anything they didn't give him. And boom, he got what he wanted. You know, so Frank Ocean's career, um, I feel like has been pretty stagnant ever since then. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, the label controversy doesn't help. Um, I feel like that's kind of been the story of his career, uh, leading up to the blonde and endless release. Um, and I feel like he's just kind of been virtually impossible to truly reach ever. I mean, occasionally he does his blonded radios, um, you know, he did drop a few singles uh, since those rele the releases of both those albums. Um, but I feel like he's always going to truly be a mystery, uh, just like his debut project was to most of us. But that mystery um, allowed that aura of Frank to kind of to kind of take over us and uh, just beam that shiny gem. Uh, beam like that shiny gem that you found in the middle of nowhere and just be like, wow, this is something that I have to hold on to. I have to, I have to come back to. And I think that's exactly how it was listening and finding Nostalgia Ultra for the first time. And I feel like that's how it'll always be when I personally and a lot of other people think of Frank Ocean when they, um, you know, think back to the first time they ever listened to a project by him. It's, it's not about how much music he puts out. It's not about um, the fact that he is quiet for a lot of the time, regardless of if he's in the midst of an album rollout as well. I think it's more so um, the appreciation and the love that we have for this artist who continues to just make groundbreaking music, continues to find and search for feelings um that can reach so many viewers across the country across the world um and i feel like that's why frank ocean will always always be such a huge force in the music industry decide besides if he uh besides him releasing new music or not because of just that impact that he was able to make um because of this mysterious persona that he's continued to um, stick to his entire career and just, um, kind of wanting, making the audience want more and find more about, about themselves first and foremost, and then just continue to go back to these old projects and continue to relive some of these feelings that he's creating because you continue to find more as, as you continue to listen to them. So I feel like Frank Ocean's ability to create, the projects he has um, with endless meanings, endless feelings. Um, but in all in all, it's still the same at the end of the day. It's, it's just remarkable what he's done. Um, and it's crazy that this project is already 10 years old. Um, but yeah, uh, shout out to Frank Ocean. I really hope you release music soon. I really wanted to see you at Coachella last year. It's unfortunate that everything happens, but I have um, the utmost confidence that I will see you one day.
regardless of how much money it is, regardless of where it's at, I will see you one day and it'll be breathtaking. So <laughs> uh, moving on into some NBA news, um, of course, um, you know, there was some Monday night action across the league. Um, Bradley Beal actually ruined John Wall's um, homecoming to Washington on Monday night as the Wizards uh, beat the Rockets 131 to 119. Um, Bradley Beal finished with 37, um, eight rebounds, three, uh, three steals. Um, you know, for the, for the Wizards, there were seven guys that scored in double figures in this one. Um, and of course, Russell Westbrook added his triple double 16, 15 and 13. Um, and it was just too much for this Rockets team. Um, of course, uh, they just couldn't really hit a shot, um, when it really mattered, um, and I think that was definitely the biggest difference in this one. Um, the, it was the reason why the Wizards were kind of able to pull ahead, regardless of John Wall having a double-double, having 29 and 11. Um, we had, um, what's it called? Uh, I've never, I, I, I haven't really watched uh, Nuaba, Nuaba play, but he, he had a really good game with uh, 19 and 11. Um, you know, I think this, this Rockets team, is still trying to find. I mean, they 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 they've gone on a little bit of uh you know small winning streets, winning three four straight here. Um, you know, I just feel like uh you know the Victor Oladipo not playing in this one uh kind of made the impacts uh to allow the Wizards to kind of pull ahead. Um, but I I really think this Rockets team once they find their groove together, once they kind of um mesh well at. The, excuse me, at the highest point, whether that's this season, whether that's next season, they can be a, they can be a really dominant team. Obviously it's very guard heavy. Um, but that's, that's worked for other teams in the past. And I feel like, you know, these guards aren't just some random guards. You're talking about John Wall. You're talking about, um, PJ Tucker. You're talking about, uh, Victor Oladipo. And then you have DeMarcus Cousins, who's still trying to build, you know, get that rust off him. If you give him another year, can he turn into Boogie again? Um, you know, I just feel like the the possibilities for this Rockets team is endless, and I, I I'm really excited to continue to watch them play. But it, it was good to see the Wizards get a dub. Um, but of course, they just moved to eight and seventeen, still fourteenth in the East. Um, and the Rockets, uh, they they moved to eleven and sixteen. Um, but yeah, another on another note, um, two former Lakers actually had huge huge nights on Monday. Uh, for their respected ball clubs, of course. First and foremost, we have Julius Randle playing for the Knicks, um, dropping a forty bomb, um, and having his a career a career high for him seven made threes. Uh, he finished with nine rebounds and five assists as well, um, as the Knicks uh, beat the Hawks one twenty three to one twelve. And then you had Jordan Clarkson have eight threes off the bench for the Utah Jazz, um, forty points in this one. As he uh, helped the um, the Jazz win um, and elevate over the no number one seed in the East, the 76ers, 134 to 123. Uh, the Jazz have now won 19 of their last 20 games. And this was a game that also saw Ben Simmons damn near have a triple double. Um, and on top of that, he had a career high for points. I mean, it was a, it almost had, he almost had a 40 point triple double as he finished with 42, 12 and nine. Um, Tobias Harris also having a tremendous season finished with 36 points and 10 rebounds. 
Um, but uh, Joel Embiid not playing in this one probably was the difference maker for the Jazz. Um, you know, you had Tobias and Ben Simmons both drop 35 plus. You add Joel Embiid in that midst. I don't know if they have as many points, but I think it, it gives them that edge to kind of uh, take this one. But like I said, Jordan Clarkson, what a remarkable night he had. And then you have five other guys on this Jazz team in double figures. Um, you know, the second leading scorer, of course, Donovan Mitchell with 24, Joe Inglis with 20, and then uh, three other guys with 11. So this this Jazz team is, is continuing um, to just play uh, with the most confidence in the lead at the moment, moving the ball remarkably. Um, and yeah, just, just playing with a lot of swag, I'd say, and just not really caring who the opponent is, just kind of putting on them, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, who's in front of them? The, who's in front of them? They're just they're just in a ball, so it's pretty cool to see. Um, and also another thing that's really cool to see is Steph Curry and the season that he is having right now. Um, of course, uh, he was he the, on Monday night he had 36 points, six assists, and seven threes in a blowout win against the Cavs, 129 to 98. Um, he became the first guard since Michael Jordan. Um, who did this in the 1995-1996 season um, to have at least 25 points and shoot 50% from the field goal, um, just field goal wise, in 10 straight games. Um, you know, Steph is also now averaging 30.1 points per game, uh, 20 field goal attempts per game, and is shooting at a 66.9% true shooting percentage this season. Um, why are these numbers uh, important, you ask? These are identical to his unanimous MVP season back in 2015-2016. Um, like I mentioned before, MVP Curry has just been on display this entire season. Um, and what he's doing for this Warriors team is just phenomenal. You know, he's looking as good as he ever has. He's you know, keeping the Warriors in playoff contention single-handedly, he's elevating the level of play of really all of his teammates. Um, and, you know, you, you simply based on numbers, you cannot deny that Steph should be the front runner for MVP. You know, I just, you know, you add on the fact that these numbers are identical to his MVP season, plus the fact that he is keeping the Warriors in playoff contention, like I just mentioned, he is the most valuable player in the lead because what he brings to his team and how they play if Steph is not on the court. Um, but yeah, the more the Warriors move, of course, to 15 and 13, um, and the Cavs move to 10 and 19. Um, but yeah, on, on, on what's it called? Another another game that happened Monday night. Uh, the last game that happened Monday night was this um, Nets team. Um, putting on just a remarkable display in Sacramento against the Kings. Um, of course, KD was not was not playing in this one, uh, but that didn't really matter as Kyrie Irving had 40 points, 9 for 11 from the three-point line. Um, James Harden, of course, had a, a triple-double with 29 points, 13 rebounds, and 14 assists uh, as they were able to hold off the Sacramento Kings 136 to 125 um you know what a remarkable game by this backcourt um you know if 
anybody thought this bid three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden couldn't work. Um, the fact that a bid, you know, this this solid duo in the backcourt was able to do what they did against the Kings on Monday night, I think shows that if you add, you know, in my opinion, their best player in KD into that rotation, I mean, who the hell is going to stop them? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, this backcourt is just going to continue to be special, in my opinion, um, bearing any injuries, of course. Um, and I mean, at this rate, I think they should just truthfully cruise to the NBA Finals. I don't really know who in the East can even compete with them. There is only three teams in the Eastern Conference right now who are above 500. And, you know, I would hope that the Eastern Conference Finals is the 76ers versus the Nets. Um, I feel like those are the two best teams at the moment. And I think it would just be a shame if one of those teams were in the in the Eastern Conference Finals and the other one wasn't. Um, because I think the other team would just cruise, like I just said. So it'll be interesting to see how the East plays out with a lot of teams under 500 and the West looking just ridiculously stacked as it kind of has been in the past few, you know, the past few years. Uh, but yeah, um, of course, this led into Tuesday night games, uh, which started with the Nets playing in a bat-to-back. Of course, this one was actually against the Suns, though. Um, and they were honestly... You know, not looking too hot as uh, they trailed by 21 points at the half. Um, but, um, you know, regardless of Kyrie not at playing in this one due to bat tightness, KD still sitting out, um, they were actually able to complete this comeback of 21. Um, by, uh, I, they were trailing by 21, of course. They were able to complete this 24-point comeback um, and beat the Suns 128-124. to 124. Um, you know, it, it marks this, the largest comeback history, um, the, the largest comeback in the Nets history, uh, since joining the NBA in, in 1976. Um, like I said, Kyrie, no Kyrie, no KD was not a problem for James Harden as he had 38 points, seven rebounds and 11 assists in this one had a dagger three at the end of the game, which made his coach, Steve Nash saying the Say in the post-game interview that it's just vibes in the locker room right now. It seems like the Nets are playing with so much confidence, regardless of which superstar is sitting out. It seems like um, they haven't really had too many games where all three of them are on the court, but they're still getting the job done, um, you know. And on top of this, like I said, this Suns team came into this game winning six straight, smoking hot, um, of course, Booker and CP combined for 51 points and um, 14 assists. Uh, you add um, DeAndre Aiden 16 points and 9 rebounds. Uh, James Crowder's 15 points and 7 rebounds. Um, but this Nets team somehow was able to elevate above that, regardless of how hot this Suns team was, regardless of, um, you know, how many superstars they had sitting out uh but it's still pretty remarkable what cp's doing with this suns team um i i don't think this is a bit i know of course you never want to blow a 20 plus point lead um but if you're gonna do it at least do it to the nets uh one of the best teams in the nba um you know but cp3 um if you don't think the impacts uh that he has on a team is there 
you're just dead wrong. Of course, um, the winning percentages for teams that are that have added CP3 before and after they add him. Um, of course, when he got drafted to uh, New Orleans, their winning percentage was 220, which is god awful, if you ask me. And then with him, got to a you know 4.63. .463, which is still not that good, still below 500, but you have to understand that he had no help on that team, and then of course, that resulted in the trade, which created Lob City with him, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, um, and the Clippers were at a .39 uh, winning percentage, and then when they added CP3 um, in that first year, it instantly jumped to a .606, and they made the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Um, that trade to Houston, of course, the Rockets were already at a point six seven one with James Harden, but they instantly elevated them to a point seven nine three. Had you know, had Chris Paul not get hurt in that Western Conference Finals, do they advance to the finals? Do they win that game six? Who knows? Who knows? But in my opinion, you know, anything was possible in that series. We saw the Rockets exposing the Warriors on all levels, and it was just unfortunate that he had to go down. But like I said, point six seven one to a Almost damn near a .80 with the Rockets. And OKC, the turnaround that he was able to do, you know, them, you know, analysts giving them a .2% chance to make the playoffs last year. Um, but what he was able to do with these young guys and elevate them to have still above 500 record at .611 um, push. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember what that playoff series was, but he pushed the team to Game 7. They should have won that series. Um, I think it might have. It was either the Jazz or the Nuggets. Um, no, it wasn't the Jazz. I think it was the was it the Nuggets? I can't remember. I think the Jazz and the Nuggets actually played in the first round. Um, but whoever they played in that first round, the they should have honestly won that series. What a year he had last year, and he's just doing the same thing in Phoenix this year. I mean, last year Phoenix uh, barely missed the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, we saw that in the bubble with Devin Booker. Um, basically pairing the team on his back, going undefeated in that bubble. But now this year, being the number four seed, um, you know, starting the year hot like they have been, it's just been remarkable to see what CP3's impact has literally had on every single team that he's joined as they just got better with the addition of Chris Paul. There's no denying that. Um, and it's just remarkable what he's been able to do now with his son's team that kind of just took a net step the same way that, um, we've seen with these other teams, like I just mentioned. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with this Suns team. I'm really excited to see how Devin Booker is in these playoffs, uh, with the veteran leadership of CP3. Um, but yeah, um, of course last night also saw the Lakers hold off the Timberwolves, um, without AD 112 to 104. We saw LeBron James had a double, double 30 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists, um, uh, what's it called? Dennis Schroeder stepped up. He had 24 points and three assists. Montrez Harrell added 17. Um, and then on the other side, man, Anthony Edwards was phenomenal in this one. This this rookie, he was the number one overall pick for a reason. 28 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. Um, he was just balling. Did not care if LeBron James was on him. Did not care if you know a truck was in front of him. This man was on a tear last night. You could clearly see how dominant this man can be in the league um, because of just 
the level that he rose to in a game against the Lakers, you could see how amped he was from the beginning to be playing against one of the best teams in the league and players that elevate their game because of the competition. That's just, that's greatness right there. So I'm excited to see how Anthony Edwards um, and his career plays out. Of course, the Lakers uh, moved to thir- uh, 22 and seven um, in the process of winning this one. And LeBron, of course, um, now uh, has 1,024 consecutive games with double digit scoring scoring um, of course, second on that list is Michael Jordan with only 866. So we'll see how long this, um, you know, this this uh, span can go for LeBron James. But what a remarkable run that it's it's been for him. Um, but like I said, the Lakers moved to 22 and seven. They still sit uh, one and a half games behind this Jazz team, who's sitting at 23 and five in first place in the West. Um, of course, the Lakers are followed by the Clippers at 21 and eight. Um, and then the, the Trailblazers and the Suns are both tied at 17 and 10. Um, but yeah, like I said, this East, uh, you know, you have the 76ers at first at 18 and 10, but then the Nets in the at 18 and 12 and the Butts at 16 and 12. Um, but then there's just a major drop off. You know, you have two teams in those Celtics and the Pacers who are at 500. And then you have the Nets who are sub 500 uh, plus the Raptors and Hornets. It's just... It's not really looking good for the East at the moment. Um, but, you know, there's still plenty of time. Uh, there's still plenty of basketball to be played. Um, and uh, on a closing note, I just wanted to wish the GOAT, Mike, excuse me, Michael Jordan, a happy birthday as he turns 58 today. No, no you know, there's just no question the career and um, how his stats uh, have spoken for himself. I mean, six-time NBA champion, six-time in the finals, six-time MVP, five-time and six-time finals MVP, five-times MVP, fourteen-time uh, All-Star, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, ten-time first-team All-NBA, nineteen first-team All-Defense, ten-time scoring champ, fifth most points ever, and he was the first billionaire basketball player. You know, he changed the game. And inspired generations in the process um, of doing so. If you have not already, please go watch The Last Dance. You will be inspired. You will want to run through a freaking wall at the end of it. Um, But yeah, happy birthday to the goats. Um, And I think that's the proper way to end this one. Like I said, I hope you all are having a great Wednesday. I hope you all had a great time listening today. It was fun as always. This has been Gino Spirito, episode 21 of the Gino Spirito podcast. Um, But yeah, I will see you all on Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in.